Man, I've had the privilege just about every single day to be in the ocean this week. How many of y'all been in the ocean this week, right? Hey, man, what's up? <laughs> uh, in the ocean this week. And in fact, Monday, we had Beach Day Monday. And, and how many of y'all were Beach Day Monday? Yeah, dude, we went out there. And where's, where's Mike at? Yeah, man, I was trying to get you to surf on some. We actually had a swell Monday from uh, the little hurricane that was off the Carolinas. They were formidable waves, weren't they? I watched Emily, my daughter, drop in on a nice wave that was about head high, and uh, there were some fun waves on Beach Day Monday. Tomorrow, I don't know what it's going to be like, because we never can predict, we never know, but tomorrow, Beach Day Monday, 9 to noon, come, we'll be shoving you into waves, free surf lessons, uh, free fellowship, we just hang out at uh, Fort Pierce Inlet State Park from 9 to noon. I have five new foamy boards that I'd love to shove you in on, and get on one of those foamies, man. We'll get you going, all right? But uh, anyway, so Monday, we're at Beach Day Monday. Waves were big. It was fun. And then Tuesday, um, man, Emily and I got up for Dawn Patrol. And we were, got up really early expecting the swell to have filled in. It was supposed to be well overhead. It was supposed to be beautiful. We got there, and there were probably 50 old guys at the entrance all like, man, we thought it was going to be better than this. And it was just not what we thought it would be. So we went home and did our other stuff, got to go out paddleboard and all that. Wednesday, met Tom. Where's Tom at? Tom Knowles. Tom Knowles. We met for Dawn Patrol, and dude, it was fun, right? There weren't supposed to be any waves, and we had some nice solid chest high. Could never predict exactly what's going on, man. You just got to show up to see what's happening. And we surfed for a while and had some fun, right? Then I got to go paddleboarding with some of you guys. Thursday, um, I know I was in the ocean Thursday. I think it was. What happened Thursday? Oh, we were out on the boat. Yeah, dude. And I took you, whoever I was with, we had, we had, uh, yeah, we had dinner cruise, man. And went out in the evening, out in the ocean. And uh, it was nice and glassy and calm. Unlike last night when we went, Mark, when we went out in the ocean, it was a little choppier, right? It's always changing. But let me ask you a question. Who is it that controls this ocean? It's God. Y'all believe he's got control of that? I mean, really, do you totally believe he's got control of that? So if he's got control of that, do you think he's got control of this? Seriously, I mean, how hard would this be to control if he can control all of that? You ever think about it that way? Do you really believe he's in control of that? That, that he's the one that decided that the boundary is going to stop where it is? Do you understand there's so much water there that in, a, in just one of God's little snot rockets, man, a little blast, he could blow water straight up and cover this place right now. Do you believe it? And you've seen it happen at the line place, right? Yes. He can make it happen. So think about that. If he's getting in control of that, then he's certainly in control of this, which is what we're really going to focus on out of Hebrews in the life of Joseph today. And uh, for those of you that need a little cheat sheet on that, uh, we're going to be talking about all that in a bag of bones with Joseph. And hang on, I got we're, we're going to learn our little mantra first in that. So, all right, help me out, you guys. All right, worship aerobics. You ready, Gary? You're going to have to unfold, bro. You're just going to have to. All right, there we go. All right, so if he's in control of that, everybody help me out. All right, you ready? If he's in control of that, Okay, who's not? Dude, I know y'all are engaged, man. You can look at your hands, right? Because you got it. This is how you're going to remember. How are you going to preach this, Hunter, to somebody else if you don't do it? All right? So if he's in control of that, he's certainly in control of this. And that's true of your life, man. And that's kind of where we're at with Joseph. What we're going to learn is that was his life mantra. If God's in control of that, he's certainly in control of this. 
How many of you have had junk go on on this planet? Stuff go on in this life where you're like, it's out of control. <laughs> Anybody? Yeah. And what we've done is we've lost perspective that he's in control of that. If he's in control of that and we're going to figure out what that is, then we can have all the confidence in the world to know he's in control of this. And this is just part of the plan. So today we're going to learn about Joseph, all that in a bag of bones. What is that? That's what we're going to figure out. What is that? Because if he's in control of that, Mike, then he's in control of what? This. Yeah. He's in control of that. He's in control of this. No problem. He's in control of that. This is absolutely no problem. And this is everything you face in life on a daily basis, even though it's out of control for you. Here, let me give you an example of this. Seth, hey, I didn't call you Zane, did I, again? Dude, these two men, I, I call them Zane and Seth, they kind of separate. All right, so God's in control of that, so he's certainly in control of this, right? Yeah. Okay, um, come here, just stand up for just one second right here. Uh, here, come here, man. We'll do this so we don't like really do anything too much. But all right, so, so, so God's in control. This cup is his control. Put your hands out. Um, yeah, are you in control of this water, man? Uh, is he in control of this? He has no control of this. But so that's us trying to handle everything on our own. Without him, but if we understand he's in control of what? That, then he's in control of this. this. He's got the cup, you don't, right? Okay, so anyways, go sit down. Thank you. I just <laughs> want you to think about that. Try to hold on to the water without a cup. That's trying to deal with life without God. Aren't you glad I didn't wet the front? Is that what he was saying? <laughs> no, it looks like I wet myself right there. All right, but so. All that in a bag of bones with Joseph. Look at the verse we're going to, well, one verse out of Hebrews, and then we're going to like just kind of, we're going to run through Genesis. I'm not going to read the scripture. I'm not, because it would take so long to do it. I just want to tell you the story and encourage you to go and read the story out of scripture about Genesis. But in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22, there's a story here. One little line of all the, how many of you are familiar with the story of Joseph? Man, some great, great things have happened with Joseph, right? I mean, he's one of my heroes, one of my favorite stories. There's so many things that could have been written about Joseph, but guess what God chose to write about him in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews in the Hall of Fame of Faith? His bones. <laughs> that's all he chose, and we're going to figure out why. Look at this verse in verse 22. By faith, again, that's what we're looking at, by faith. These guys, they're, they're making decisions by faith. Okay, so by faith, when Joseph was dying, he made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Of all the things that could have been written about Joseph, that's the very thing God wanted us to know about him. So we got to kind of see what this is by faith. Faith in what? It was faith in the promise that this fourth generation promise that was given to Abraham, passed down to Isaac, to his father Jacob, and now down to him. That, yes, they were going to be a mighty nation one day. None of them were going to get to see it. That, yes, they, they were going to have tons of land, which they still haven't seen. And, yes, that all everybody who blesses them is going to be blessed and curses them will be cursed. But the most important thing is that the whole world was going to be blessed through them. And that blessing was going to come in the form of a Messiah, a Savior for the world. They were saved believing God would send a Savior. We're saved believing God did send that Savior. And these guys, by faith, knew that they were a little part of a big plan. They, whatever God wanted them to do, they were going to do it because they were privileged to be that little part of this giant saving plan God had. And so by faith, knowing that God would send a Messiah through their family line, 
that that, that would happen. When he was dying, he made mention. He died in Egypt, as we're going to see. And at his, he said, man, one day you guys are going to leave Egypt. Because you're supposed to be where? Where where were they supposed to end up? In the promised land. And that's not Egypt. So he said, one day we are going to leave. And he said, you're going to leave. I'm not going to get to leave. I'm going to be dead. So when I die, take my bag of bones. And I want you to keep my bag of bones here as a memorial. To know, to remind you that we are going to leave. One day you're going to leave because God is going to fulfill a promise. Just like when Zane preached on Isaac. Man, when Isaac, uh, uh, Abraham took Isaac up on the mountain and was ready to kill him. We learn in Hebrews, he knew God had a plan that somehow he's going to have to resurrect Isaac to fulfill the promise. So he was willing to do whatever he needed to do, whatever God wanted him to do, because he knew God was going to fulfill the promise. And it's the same thing here. When he's dying, he says, yeah, my bones, I don't want to be buried in Egypt. I want you to keep my bones out there. And that bag of bones is, is, is going to be a memorial to you that you will not stay in Egypt. It might be a long time, and we're going to learn about that, but you're going to be taken out. And so of all the things that we could learn about, uh, about Joseph, all the cool stories, when you think of Joseph, what do you think of right off the bat? Uh, his brother's thrown him in the pit. Okay, his brother's thrown him in the pit. When you think of Joseph, what do you think about? His coat. Yeah, I knew you'd have a fashion statement. His coat, his coat in many colors. Hey, when you think of Joseph, what do you think about? No, you're going to think about some when we're done, Jack. I promise. JJ, thank you. Look at this servant spirit, right? Carl, when you think of, of Joseph, what do you think about? Yeah, all his dreams and he didn't get. How about you, Zane? What do you think of? Turning and running. Turning and running. All right, we'll see that too. Yeah, so we all think of all these great things and great stories. I'm just going to do it again, bro. I know. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> And, and so we think of all these great stories, but look at the one in the Hall of Fame of Faith that God decides to put in there. Joseph telling them, hey, guys, take my bag of bones with you when you leave. <laughs> That's it. What in the world? What is God trying to show us through that? And what he's trying to show us is Joseph's his life mantra, Joseph's his lifelong motivation of how he could make it through everything. So help me out with this because you understand that you are going to take this out with you. Big group, little group, go. You're going to be able to, Jack, you're going to preach this. You're going to preach it to somebody today. I guarantee it. If not, I'll see it on Facebook tomorrow. That's usually where I see it. Every, every Monday, you put the message down. That's awesome. Milt, you're going to be preaching this to somebody. So, guys, you got to get this. Help me out. Read this out. Uh, oh, of all that he did, why? Okay, here it is. Lifelong motivation. Read this with me. If God's, God's got that. Then God's got this. You got it? If God's got that, then God's got this. Hey, John, when you die, all right, what's going to happen to you when you die? Yeah, you're going to heaven. All right, you going to heaven? Yeah. So you've envisioned heaven as a long napping place. Is that right here? But you're going you're gonna to go to be absent with the bodies, present with the Lord, right? And so here you are. You're laid out, bro. You die. You're laid out. Now, your mind is your mind. All right, let's just say, you know, all you got left is a mind. and you're, Are you going to be able to think of some way to get yourself to heaven? No. Are you going to be able, maybe just your mouth works. Are you going to be, think of some words you might be able to say to get yourself to heaven? And how about your body? Is there going to be any strength left in your body to somehow maybe crawl to a place where you can catch a train and get to heaven? Is there anything you can do once you're dead? 
No. And so when you're dead, who are you totally dependent upon to get you to heaven? Who, Ann? If he doesn't do it, it ain't getting done, right? So if God can do all that, if God can take your dead body and raise your soul to heaven, mama, if he can do that, can he not do this? So why do we keep trying to take this into our own hands? Why do we? We're trusting. How many of y'all are trusting him for heaven? You know that when you die, you're going to heaven because you've given your life to Christ. You know that, Jared? You know that? You're trusting him for that? Then why do we keep, why do we keep trying to trust? I'm not going to do it. JJ's like, dude, I just it Why are we trying to trust ourselves for our everyday stuff that he tells us to do? Isn't that, how many of y'all, how many of y'all get in trouble trusting yourself, trying to do it in your own strength, in your own flesh, trying to figure it out? Like we learned with Isaac and Rebecca, manipulate, make it all work out so it's going to happen. Or worry that it's never going to happen. It's never going to work out. And you've got to do everything in your power to make sure it does. Anybody here guilty of that besides me? So this is, the, this is the difference between us and Joseph. This is the real deal. This is how Joseph could make it through what we're going to talk about. One more time with hand motions. Brian's going to show us, man. All right, right? If God's got then he's, he's got this. Do you guys believe that? Then let's let him do this. Let's trust whatever he throws our way is by his design. And we just go, yeah, and we enjoy the ride. We enjoy the ride. Tom, did you get to take off on any waves the other day? Have you ever taken off on a wave where it didn't look that good? And all of a sudden you drop in and it's like, oh, yeah, it forms up. Emily, did you get any of those? You just take off not knowing what to expect, right? And all of a sudden you got the wave of your life. But if you look and you're only taking off on the waves you think that are going to be the ride of your life, how many waves are you going to take off on, Gary? Not many. In fact, those are the ones that are going to probably dump you. You just take off and ride. Whatever God throws at you, you just go. If God's got that, God's got this. That's all you got to remember from today, but I'm going to show you a whole lot more. All right? Uh, I'm just going to bust it. Genesis 37. Man, read later today. You want to be encouraged by Joseph and see that principle in action. Read Genesis 37 through 50. We are just going to bust through the surface on this. But Genesis 37 starts out where we find out about Joseph's integrity. He's, he's the 11th child out of 12. Benjamin is the one that's going to be born after him. But it starts off by telling us that Joseph saw his brothers doing something wrong. And, uh, and, and so, he, you know, we imagine he tried to correct them, right? And actually, you ever try to correct your brothers and sisters from doing something wrong? How does that work out? It just doesn't, right? And so sometimes it doesn't, but they do listen. But this case, he tried to correct his brothers, and they didn't listen, so he went to his dad. Well, we call that a tattletale, like that's something wrong. But did you know that the only thing that it takes for evil to succeed is for good to do nothing? And maybe that's part of the problem right now is we're not speaking up for the truth. We're not sharing the truth. We're not calling sin, sin. Maybe we're not standing out. But Joseph had integrity. Whatever offended God offended him, and he spoke up. We could look at it as a little tattletale, but as we go through Joseph's life and see his integrity, we know that from a young age, whatever offended God offended him. Whatever God loved, he loved, and that's where we should be in this. And so, so there it is. He's got integrity right from the very beginning. Joseph's got a tunic that his dad gave him, a multicolored tunic, because he was the only child at that point born from his favorite wife, okay? From his favorite wife, Rachel, he, he loved him more than others. And again, we saw how favoritism worked out in Isaac's life, and it just made a mess of things. But there it was. Gave him a favorite tunic, and Joseph rode with it. 
I mean, he accepted it, took it. And then if that wasn't enough, God then gave Joseph dreams. You guys remember Joseph's dreams? He woke up and, and he had the audacity to tell his brothers and his parents, but he was excited because he had a dream from God. Anybody ever have a dream from God? And again, I'm not just talking about a dream where you're sleeping and all of a sudden you wake. Because if you had one of dreams like these guys, I'm just going to blame it on pizza you ate too late. Because God speaks to us now mostly through his word. If you ever have a dream at night and it goes against God's word, it is not God. Don't listen to it, all right? But in this, that's how God spoke to him. He gave him a dream and told him, man, hey, I was there and there were these sheaves, you know, uh, and, and 11 sheaves and 10 of them all bowed down to me, the one sheep. And his brother's like, what? We're going to like serve you? Huh? You know, you little punk, you got the coat, you got everything. Why don't you just like enjoy it and not rub it in? And then he had another dream, and he told his parents, yeah, the stars, the moon, and the sun. His dad's like, what? We're going to bow down to you? And Joseph's probably like, I don't know. I don't know how this works. I don't know why it's happening, but I know it's from God. It's God's calling on my life, and I've got to pursue it. And that's what he did his whole life. He pursued that dream. He never gave up on that dream. As many obstacles that came up against that dream, Carl, just like you said. He pursued him. And, but it says in scripture that when his dad heard that dream, his dad scolded him, but his dad kept it in his heart and said, hmm, there's something to this because he knew. So what happens? Dad sends him out to go find his brothers while they're out with the sheep or flock or whatever. They see him coming. Ha, here's the dreamer. Let's throw him in this pit and see how his dreams come true. Now, how? Hey, can anybody stop God's plan? No. All you're doing is adding to God's plan, and you're going to have judgment on you if you're like the brothers. So they throw him in the pit. They're ready to kill him. The oldest brother, Reuben, is like, no, dude, we can't do that because, because he's our own flesh and blood. You know what Reuben was really saying? Reuben was saying, I'm the oldest, and I'm going to want to be the one to take responsibility and get busted. So you can't kill him. Let's just leave him here till we figure out what's happening, all right? And so he takes off. But while he takes off, what happened? Some Midianite Ishmaelite traders come by, and what do they do? Help me out. Yeah, they sell him. Reuben comes back like, oh, you know, I'm in trouble. Reuben didn't care about Joseph. Like, I'm in trouble. And so he's sold. So this guy goes from having this great dream where he's going to be a leader. He's loved by his father, hated by his brothers. All of a sudden, he's sold into slavery. You get sold into slavery, Mark. How viable is your dream to be a king or be a leader? Doesn't it seem to be all but gone? Quite possibly. Unless... Unless what happens is you have that mentality Joseph had that, help me out again, if, if God's got that, if he's got the big promise in the future that the Messiah is coming out of our line and I'm just a small part of this giant thing God's doing, then he's got what? He's got this. And so in that, the last part there, it ends up at the end of that chapter is he got sold to Potiphar, which is head of the army in Egypt. So he got a good gig, I guess. <laughs> And so he's a slave. It seems all but his dream is over numerous times that it's all but over. So you go to chapter 39. And what does Joseph do? Read that first part. He is a what? A successful slave. Oh, Shay, you get sold into slavery. They take you, human trafficking. God forbid I cover it with the blood of Jesus. And you're there. And would you be pouting? Would you be... Mad at God? Would you be missing Jared? And, yeah, I, yeah, at least say that right now, yeah. But what I'm saying, man, dude, think about, think about if you all of a sudden woke up as a slave and you were told you were going to be a leader king, you wake up as a slave, how many of y'all would go and be the most successful slaves you could be? 
because you knew it was partial fulfillment. It was the path to fulfilling the dream God given you. You knew that God put that in your path for success. It didn't look like the world's version of success. But so Joseph, he made himself the most successful slave anyone could be. He did the best he could with what he had, where he was at. He wasn't sitting there waiting until he could be free, and then he's going to go pursue his dream. He saw that as part of the pathway to his dream, and we know that it was. So he was a successful slave, and he got put in charge of everything. So much success in his life that he was so good-looking that Potiphar's good-looking wife basically kept trying to seduce him. She was a cougar. She was coming after him. And, and day after day after day, this wasn't a one-time event. Every day she's coming after this young, hot young man. And, and, and she's his boss for all practical purposes. But Joseph had convictions before the crisis. Joseph knew that he couldn't offend God. He loved God more than he loved anyone else. And he was not going to sin against God. How do I know that? Because scripture tells me that. And she come after him day after day, and a young man full of hormones, driven that way, was able to resist her because he loved God more than he loved himself. And he resisted her, even to what the world would say his own harm. Because guess what happens? One day she came, and she grabbed him. And what does even Paul tell Timothy to do when, when sexual lust grabs you? What's the, the three-letter word begins with R and ends with N, and has you in the middle? What does God tell us to do when lust comes? Run! Yeah! Don't check it out and hope she lets go. Run! But you say, man, things bad things can happen when I run. When she ran, when he ran, what happened? His garment stayed in her hand, and now he's a naked young man running through the streets. Boy, that doesn't look very good, does it? But he did what God told him to do. He ran. And, and so all of a sudden, she had a lot of evidence. Hey, you see that naked young man right there? Everybody get pictures, Snapchat, put it on Facebook. Here we go, public, you know, social media, because when Potiphar comes home, that's all evidence. I'm getting it on CNN right now and Fox, both sides, and they're going to have it, and this guy's a rapist. Was he a rapist? No, but dude, she played out, man, and Potiphar comes home. He's like, oh, honey, what's wrong? Oh, I tried to seduce a young man. And, no, is that what she said? No. no, that young man you brought in raped me. And there's pictures on the internet to prove it. There it is. Oh, must be true. <laughs> and boom, followed after it. And guess what happened to Joseph? He was what? Thrown in prison. Hey, dude, how's it? Hey, Mark, how's your dream of becoming that successful leader going now? First you're a slave, now you're a prisoner. But, and how did it, uh, Mike, how did it work out for him being a successful slave? Do you think it worked out being a successful prisoner? <laughs> that's, but if that's what God's called you to do, that's what you do. He was a successful slave. He fell to unsuccessful seduction and ended up being thrown in prison. EJ, how in the world could that be part of God's plan? You, you work in prison, right? But you get to leave, right? Yeah. Can you imagine? Because what if everybody in prison say, it wasn't my fault, I didn't do anything. No, I'm just joking with you. But bottom line is, in this, he got thrown in prison. How can that even be part of God's plan? But yet it was. And so what are you going to do if that's where God's got you? You are going to be a successful prisoner. You're going to do the best you can with what you got, where you're at. You are going to make. You, if you truly are a righteous person following God, you are going to continue walking in that righteousness and count on the fact that if God's got 
that, then he's got this. Exactly. And so how many of you in this part would have already bailed on God's plan? You'd have already said, dude, God, enough with these dreams, enough with this situation. This has not worked out following you. It has not worked out the way my Sunday school teacher said it would. Or the way the guy on TV said it would. This has not worked out this way. But again, Joseph had a mentality. Help me out with this mentality with your arm motions here. If God's got that, the big thing in the future, don't you think he's got this? Richard, you believe that? If he's got that, he's got this, bro. You just stay faithful at, at knowing that he's got that. And, and, and follow him and let him get this. All we're supposed to do, what's the F word that we're supposed to do? Follow. Follow. Everybody say follow. follow. And if we're following, do you know where you're going? Do you know how long you're going to be gone? Do you know when you're going to get back? No, you're following. But you have to trust the person you're following, and that's Jesus Christ. We're following him with the Holy Spirit that lives in us and through the word that he has given us to reveal himself. If God's got that, God's got this. That's how Joseph could stay faithful in all of this. Chapter 40, man, guess what? He's in prison. All of a sudden, the butler and the baker from the king, they messed up. They got thrown in prison, too. There they are. And they're like, oh, woe's me. Oh, oh. They had dreams. Dude, if you were Joseph, would you not be sick of dreams by now? If you aren't now, you would be later. But they had dreams. And they wake up, and they're like, and guess what? We had a dream. Man, I had these three baskets on my head, and the birds were picking them out. And, you know, another guy's like, yeah, man, three branches came out, and everything was fed, and all this stuff. And, and so if I was Joseph, and I know what my dreams led me last time, I might just keep quiet. And that's something for me. All right? And, and I might just, I ain't touching it. I'm not touching it. But it was his calling. It was, it was, he was following God. And he's like, oh, hey, guess what? I know about dreams. God answers dreams. And he asked God, and God gave him the interpretation of both the dreams. For the butler, it was good. The baker, it was not so good. He interprets the dreams. And then he tells the baker, not the butler, because what? Anybody know what happened to the butler? Three days, dude, your head's going to be lifted off from you. <laughs> and so it wasn't any use telling the, the baker because he wasn't going to help him. But he told the butler, he said, hey, when I get out, when, when you get out in three days, remember me. Remember me. I've been in prison for a while. We don't know how long, but in three days. Three days is a long time in prison. <laughs> He's like, three more days. Let me out. Tell Pharaoh what went on that I helped you and see if he'll let me out because I didn't do anything. That's why I'm here right now. I didn't do anything. I shouldn't be in here, but I know I'm here, and God's going to get me out when it's time. But guess what happened? Read the last line. He got what? <laughs> forgot about in prison. Anybody ever been forgot about? <clears throat> Sometimes that's the worst thing that can happen to us, isn't it? When you feel like everybody's forgotten about you. But who's the one person that hasn't forgotten about you? Who's the one person who's got the eternal plan that if he's got that handled, he's certainly got that handled? Who's the one you can count on, Christine, to have never forgotten about you? It's God. But you've got to keep seeing it from that perspective. You've got to stay in touch. You've got to be with other people that can help you see that perspective or you lose it really quick. Joseph in prison. He didn't even have like a chaplain. <laughs> you were thrown in prison basically until you died, you know, or they remembered you. He didn't have a, a Bible study to go to in prison. He didn't have a Bible. It was all here. It was in a relationship he had with God. 
And so even though he was forgotten about in prison, he was not forgotten by God. And he knew he wasn't forgotten by God because he knew that if God's got that, then God's got this. Dude, if God's got this big thing in the future, this is this little minuscule. This is, this is nothing compared to that. He's got that. Whatever that is, this is in your life right now, he's got it, even though it seems way bigger. Seems like one of them Bubba Jug tumblers in your life right now. And not a little Dixie cup. He's got this because he's got that. And you're his child and you're part of that plan. If you're not his child, it's maybe time to become his child. Because if you're not his child, he doesn't have this for you. You got it. That's what you've said by rejecting him. I got it, God. How's that working for you? So if God's got that, man, he's got this. Check out the next part, chapter 41, man. And uh, I have never preached through this many chapters so quick. No, I'm just like... <laughs> And there's only, it only goes to chapter 50, but we're combining a few of them here. And I do see the clock here. All right, so check this out. So where's Joseph at at this point? In prison. And he is the best darn prisoner there is. So much so they put him in charge of everything. Is that what you would be? Could that be said about you if you were unjustly put in the situation he was in? I hope so. I hope you accept the God grace God would give you in any situation. Hope I would accept that. But that's what he did. And he was the best prisoner, and he was there forgotten about for two years. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh wakes up one day. And Pharaoh wakes up, and he had some weird dreams, dude. First one, there were some fat cows running out of the Nile River. He's like, yeah, buddy, those are my cows, man. That's, just, that's it. And then all of a sudden, some skinny cows came out. The skinny cows ate the fat cows. Now, hey, what do y'all, Roger, what do you think happens when a skinny cow eats a fat cow? What does it become? It should be a fat cow, but in his dream, it didn't become a fat cow. It stayed a skinny cow. How, you're like, well, that sounds like a great diet plan for me, right? But it scared the mess out of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh saw the skinny cow stay skinny after eating the fat cows. He's like, hmm. And then he saw wheat come out, and he saw nasty, gnarly wheat come and eat the fat wheat, and it stayed gnarly and nasty. And he's like, something's wrong, something's wrong. I got dreams. I've asked my magicians, asked my sorcerers, just like Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. I asked everybody, and nobody could tell me. And then all of a sudden, the bake, the butler wakes up. Butler's like, hmm, ooh, I kind of made a mistake. I got out of jail and forgot all about the dude who helped me. And two years ago, <laughs> two years, what were you doing two years ago? <laughs> That's a long time. Emily, what were you doing two years ago? I don't even, you don't even know two weeks ago. Yeah, because you've been like so action-packed, right? Two years ago. He's like, oh, dude, hey, Pharaoh, I made a big mistake. There was another Pharaoh that threw me in jail, and this guy, and the baker, and yeah, he's dead now. You wouldn't know him, but oh, my goodness. Oh, I was supposed to tell Pharaoh about him, that he helped me when I got out of jail and I forgot. But this guy, he was a Hebrew guy, and he could interpret dreams. Pharaoh's like, get him in here, get him in here. So Joseph comes in, and he says, you interpret dreams and all this. That's what Daniel, or not Daniel, same, same story almost. Joseph does. Joseph comes in and says, no, it's not me, it's God. God. He's always given the glory and credit to God, and he just gets to be a part of cool things. Hey, there's a good lesson for us. You want to take credit for stuff you get to do, it'll just be mundane. But if you want to be a part of supernatural stuff and give God the glory, that's how you got to do it. And so he says, no, God can do this. And he interprets the dreams. And he says, guess what's going to happen? He said, seven years, man, we're going to have just an abundance, a great economy for seven years. But then the next seven years, it's all going down the tube. 
the depression of all depressions, the recession of all recessions, the drought of all droughts, the famine of all famines. And he says, now, if you were wise, you would get somebody. I don't know who. I don't know who. <laughs> but if you were wise, you'd get somebody to kind of manage this for you. And Pharaoh's like, wow, I got a guy. There's nobody's got as much wisdom as you. So, man, I'll have you come and manage this for me. And Daniel offers suggestion, or Daniel, oh, Joseph offers a suggestion. Man, hey, let's save, let's take 20, I think it was like a fifth, 20% of everything that's, that's there. And we'll save it, save it, save it during the good times. So we'll have it during the bad times. And he implemented the plan. Boy, wouldn't that be awesome if our government would actually implement the laws and plans that they have passed? I'm just, I'm not going there. But they actually implemented it. That's a miracle. <laughs> they implemented it. A lot of people say stuff until they get in power, and then it becomes unfavorable, and then they don't do it. But Joseph knew that he was a little part of something way bigger than him. He wasn't living for the here and now. He was living for God. And so Joseph, man, he interprets a dream, offers solution, in charge of Egypt, gets married, has two kids. Look what happens in chapter 41. Where was he in chapter 40? Let's go back, 40. Butler and Baker have dreams. Joseph interprets dreams, forgot about prison. <laughs> Life's over. I'm never going to be what God called me to be, right? Look what happens in the next chapter. Check this out. Is this not a whirlwind of life? Pharaoh dreams, Joseph interpreted, offers solutions, in charge of Egypt. That's a job of your life, in charge of Egypt. Oh, this is all deja vu. This is what God showed me. He's married and has two kids. You get married and have two kids, isn't that a whirlwind in like a couple of years there? Dude, look at this chapter right here. Look how fast it can happen when God wants it to happen. Does he not? Just like we learned with Isaac and Rebecca, God doesn't need our help. He lets us help. So if you're going to help, help what? Help right, not wrong. Did Joseph help wrong in any of this? He helped right. He just kept, no matter where he ended up, what was going on, he glorified God by following him and loving him more than he loved anything else, including himself. Knew that God had a plan, and God's plan was way better than his, and nothing could mess God's plan up. And so he offers Spruce in charge. Boom, married two kids. There it is. So... Now, that sounds pretty good, but now it's time to get to work. And the, it, but what got Joseph to this point? Help me out again. Help me out again. What is it? If then he's got this. Do you, I, man, I've got to remind myself that all the time. If God's got my salvation, he's got this. <laughs> he's got all of this other stuff. And I just got to do with Matthew 6.33, what Jesus told us to do in, in that. He said, seek first, seek only, seek always the kingdom of God and his righteousness and every single thing you need will be added unto you. Is that not what that is? Just do whatever it is he tells you to do. Follow one step at a time. What do you want me to do now, God? Do it. Just follow and he's got everything worked out. It's the quickest way to be a part of what God's really created you to be a part of. He sometimes takes us kicking and screaming. Anybody ever been dragged along kicking and screaming? Yeah. But it's awesome when it just looks like total failure, looks like total chaos, looks like total just messed up. And then all of a sudden, boom, you end up on chapter 41 where it's all like, oh, that's what was supposed to happen. So if God's got that, man, he's got this. 
Here we go. I've combined some of these. If you guys really like soap operas, do they even have soap operas anymore? One Life to Live, General Hospital. Any of those around anymore? They are, yeah. Dude, you know how long. You don't even know who. Is Luke and Laura grand, great grandparents now? or yeah. Is there still a Luke and Laura in all that? Actually, yeah. Wow, well, look who just woke up in church. Oh, I'm just messing with you. But, yeah, you want to read a biblical soap opera, dude, read 42 through 44 and, and how Jacob, you know, or how Joseph, and, and he's trying to see if his brothers have repented, and he's bringing them here, and the little games they play all, and there's purposes in all of this. But look what happens. Famine indeed does hit. Family comes for food. This is funny in this particular chapter where Jacob is like, they're all starving. He's like, what are you guys doing sitting on your rear ends? Go to Egypt where there's food. <laughs> the kids are probably like, what are you doing sitting on your rear end, old man? Get up, go get us some food. And nobody was going to do anything. And so he sent them to go get food. And I just labeled like the whole two, three chapters. They're called family issues. Go read them. You'll be like, Oh my goodness, this is just like my family. If God can use them, he can use us. I'm just, seriously. Family issues. And that's not family feud, that's family got fed. So the bottom line at the end of all, there was family feud in the family issues, but only when they went back to go see Jacob and they started arguing again. But bottom line is the family was fed. Remember the dreams back in the day? where God was going to use Joseph, and they were going to end up bowing down to him. Guess what the first thing they did when they got there? They didn't know who he was. And what was the first thing they did to this honorable second in charge in Egypt? What did they do? Bow. They bowed down. And Joseph wasn't doing this for him. It wasn't his pride. Joseph wasn't like, ha, now I told you, oh, here's me, look, I told you you do this. It wasn't a prideful issue like that. In fact, he didn't even reveal himself for some time. He was honored to be used by God to rescue his family that hated him. But that's what agape love, isn't it? Is, isn't it? Agape love is, is, is loving someone regardless of how they love you back. If you only love people who love you, that's phileo love. If you only love people, if, if they serve you, that's eros love. If you only love them because they're family, that's storge love. But agape loves that supernatural love. There, We can love someone who doesn't love us back. And that's what he got because he was full of God. That's God's love, loving people who can't love them back. Doesn't mean they don't, but they can't. But, but they're not at the time. So his family was fed. Their dream fulfilled should be over. But no, it's not. Because, again, help me out. If God's got, then Gary, he's got... He's got this, man. That's your big old snook right there. Gary, make it as big as you want. That's it. <laughs> he's got this. <laughs> if he's got that, he's got this, man. And, and don't ever forget that. 45 through 47, guess what happens? Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, and it's quite an emotional thing. Because in spite of how they felt about him, he loved them. Think about everything he's already been through. Why did he do it? Because he loved God. And when you love God, who does he cause you to love, Destiny? Everyone else. You love God, you love others. You love God, you love your brothers, even if they don't love you. And, man, it was quite an emotional, awesome experience. Dude, it'll blow General Hospital and Grandma and Grandpa Luke and Laura away. I'm just saying, dude, it's, it's awesome. And guess what happens? Joseph's revealed, and you know what ends up happening? The family is, reveal, is reunited. 
Isn't that what God's all about? Is reconciling and reuniting people and doing it the right way through love. And that's what's happening here. And in the end, we see that the family was rescued by Joseph. Man, that's what was supposed to happen in the beginning. And Joseph didn't even know it. He didn't know what it looked. What does it mean that these stars and moon and sun are going to bow down to me? What does it mean that these sheaves are going to bow down? What does that even look like? He didn't know until he saw it. He just knew it's what God wanted to have happen. And the only way he was going to experience that is if he followed him. If you've got to have it all figured out and know what it's going to look like in the end, you're never going to get there. You've just got to go one step at a time. What do you want me to do now and do it? You've got to follow, even if it doesn't make sense, especially if it doesn't make sense, because that's what takes faith. If you already know how it's going to work out, there's no faith. And that's the only thing God ever praises humans for is their faith. So the family's rescued by Joseph and not in any way that anybody could have ever pictured. There's still a few more chapters. But the point that Joseph never forgets is if God's got that, he's got this. And so look at 48 and 49, uh, two more little quick sections. And I want you to know, everybody look at that clock. If that clock is right, it is 10 minutes to 11. So the Holy Spirit has been upon this. No, <laughs> He's kept a lot of flesh out of this one, all right? So Genesis 48 and 49, look what happens. Jacob goes ahead and blesses the younger son of, of, uh, uh, of Joseph's. And Joseph's like, no, you, no, no, you got him mixed up, Dad. Don't mix the blessings up like your dad did. And he's like, no, I got it, son. This is exactly how it's supposed to happen. So at the end of Jacob's life, he's now following God over his own desires, over his own traditions, over his anything. He's following him. And then Jacob dies. You're like, oh, that's sad. What a crummy way to end a movie. No, when Jacob dies, where does he go? When you die, where do you go? Yeah, it's, are you going to be like, oh, no, heaven, but I loved it here on earth. I loved walking to church when they weren't here. No, I'm just like, <laughs> seriously, are you going to be sad when you get there? No, this is not a bad ending to the movie, but it's not the ending. There's one more chapter. But in this, we look at it like, oh, he died. It's over. No, you wake up, he's in heaven. And in heaven, that's where we live forever. That's our home. That's the, if God's got this. You know, I mean, that, if God's got that in the future, that's heaven. If he's going to take care of you and make sure you are there because he's going to honor his promise and you surrendered yourself to him and have that promise cover in your life, he's got that. Then he's certainly got all this junk that's going to go on between now and then. But the, that is what we're living for. Are you not ready to go to heaven? You know? That's going to be a cool place. I read a quote. I put it out somewhere, and um, it wasn't me. If it's new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. So none is original by anybody. And that's why we don't, we don't tell people who we quote it from, right, Seth? Because they got it from somewhere. But anyways, but it was something somebody wrote. It was actually John MacArthur, I want to say. But he said that if a believer has a fear of death, they have some serious spiritual issues. If a believer has a fear of death in the areas where they have that fear, they have some serious spiritual issues. Because what we are living for is not this planet. We are living for heaven. And you're like, but, but there's so many people that aren't coming with us. Well, that's what we're supposed to be about. It's showing them what it's all about. And so Jacob dies. It's a good thing there. And again, they could see it from that. How many of you ever had a death rock your family? 
Yeah. I've been with some of you. I've been with a lot of you when we've had Death's Rock families. And if there was ever a time when you got to understand that God's got that, it's during that time. God's got, God's got that for them. So God's got to get this from me while I'm still here. So they didn't stop Jacob or stop Joseph. He was ready to keep rolling. And in verse 50, or chapter 50, guess what happens? Jacob gets buried in uh, the only place that they ever really legally owned in the promised land, Machpelah. Remember that? We studied that? Machpelah. The place, it was a, a field, that, a cave that Abraham bought. And so he was buried there. They got to go bury him there. And then Joseph dies. But Joseph promises in chapter 50, he says, when you leave. Notice he didn't say if you leave. <laughs> if you read it. Well, no, no, if. It's when. When you leave, make sure you carry my bones out with you. Because I so believe that God is going to send a Messiah, and it's not going to happen with us staying stuck in Egypt. You're going to go in the promised land. You're going to do all this. And Judah, hey, hey, you know what's interesting? Does you know what line, what tribe Jesus came out of? What brother he came from? From Judah. You know, it was from Judah. And, and, and guess who it was that sold Joseph into slavery? <laughs> Which brother? It was Judah. <laughs> and uh, Interesting. Just You can make whatever you want out of that, but... He says, you're not, you're not going to stay in Egypt. You're going to leave. He was so sure of God's promise. That's how he lived in all of that. And so again, if God's got that, then God's got all of this. Share an illustration with you before we close. Um, something that God's been showing me in, in the different small groups this past week. So if you've been in a small group, you've kind of heard this. But it was just kind of life going on for me. That here's what my life's like. Um, I'm a, I'm a student, and God gives us tests, right? How many teachers do we have in here? Next teachers, teachers, all you guys. All right, you give tests, right? And, and, and what's, the purpose of, what's the test for? I mean, you know, to so. To see if you've learned that. To see if you got it, right, you know? It's not so, oh, I learned from that child on that test. You know, it's like, you know. But, all right, so here's what, here's what my life is. I'm a student, and, and I sit down for one of God's tests. Anybody ever had God's tests? If you're not in one now, you'll be in one soon. It's coming. Just look for it. It's there. There's a test, all right? Now, does God want me to pass or fail this test? Unlike some of our professors, right, Emily? He wants us to do what? He wants us to pass. And, and Sandy, your teacher, what do you want your students? You want them to make Ds and Cs or As. You want them to make hundreds, don't you? And, and because you want to teach it to them in a way where they learned it. And so when God sits us down for one of his tests, He's a teacher, and he wants us to pass. He wants us to make 100, so he's right behind us when he gives us the test. And he says, now, if you need any answers, which you will, it's a hard test, all I want you to do is turn around, and I want you to ask me for the answer and wait for me to give you the answer. And when I give you the answer, write that answer down, and then we'll go to the next question. That's what God has designed in his word for us to do. So here it is, man. I'm, I'm, I'm there taking the test, and all of a sudden, it's a hard test. I don't know the answer to number one. So I turn around and say, God, what's the answer to number one? And he says, oh, it's B. So I go and I write down B, and I got that right. So I look at question two. I'm like, what's the answer to two? Hey, God, what's the answer to two? And he doesn't say anything. And I'm like, God, what's the answer to two? And he doesn't say anything. Anybody ever have to wait on God? Yeah, and he doesn't say anything. So I said, well, forget that. I got to put an answer down. This test has to be completed. And I put three, I put C down. It's wrong. Whose fault is that? It's mine because I didn't wait on the teacher. 
He wasn't ready to give me the answer to that. So I, I don't take it in my own initiative and put my own answer down. I wait for him and he says, it's B. And I say, all right, and I put B down. And then I'm here, all right, question three. What's the answer to question three, God? And he says, it's D. And I say, now I think it's A. <laughs> Whose fault is that? Mine. How many of y'all have made those mistakes before with God? You didn't wait on him. You didn't put the answer he told you to put. When he wants you to score 100, he's right there. And so now I'm on question four. And I say, God, what's the answer to question four? But I don't really say it loud. And, and does anybody know what he called the Israelites? What kind of necked people did he call them? Stiff neck. If you got a stiff neck, is your, are you going to be able to turn around and ask him for the answer? No, because you don't want to. You're like, I should. No, I got this on my own. I'm my own man. I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to make it work. And you are too proud to turn around and ask him for an answer. That's another mistake we make. But what he's designed in this test for us to succeed and score 100 on this incredibly hard, impossible test to pass in our flesh is for us to be humble and say, what's the answer to E? And we mark it down. And when we're done, we heard, turn in the test, and now God says, you got 100, and he posts it up. Anybody ever have teachers post your papers up when you got hundreds? <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't realize how bad it made us feel that didn't get hundreds, but I'm just saying no. <laughs> but seriously, when they post all your hundreds up there, and I can remember one time I got 100 in like fourth grade, and, and Oh, dude, I didn't get a lot of them because I was stiff-necked. I made all those mistakes, I'm telling you. But one time in fourth grade, I got 100, and I'm up there looking at it, and I remember Morris Swisher and Jessica Tovar. They're Facebook friends, so if you're watching, they walked up and they were like, how did Eddie Frederick get 100? He must have cheated. He must have, you know? I did, but no, I'm just joking. <laughs> But what happens when the world sees you get 100 on a test everybody else fails? They're like, oh my good, how did that happen? If I could have told them, well, Miss Milhouse, or Miss Wrights, and that, she, she was standing behind me and gave me the answer to every one of those questions. Well, how do I, how come she didn't do that with me? I said, you didn't ask her. Hey, she wants to be your teacher too. If you want her to give you the answers to the teacher to the, to the test, all you got to do is just ask her to be your teacher and to help you take these tests. And that's what our life as a believer is about. The world wants to see us score. They don't want to see it, but the world needs to see us score hundreds on these tests and then be able to tell them, I have such an awesome God that not only gives me the test, but it gives me the answers to the test. And if I wait on them, if I will ask them, and if I'm not so prideful that I put the wrong answer down, I can score 100. And he wants to be your teacher, too. You want me to introduce you to him? I can't be your teacher. He's your teacher. But you want me to introduce him to you? Introduce you to him? That's what we're supposed to do. But we're so wrapped up so often in all of this. Anybody ever get wrapped up in this that you forget all about that? Yeah. This is what God's trying to teach us through Jacob in this hall of fame of faith. All the things he could have shown us about the awesome man of Joseph that I can't wait to see on God flicks of how it all works out when I get to heaven. But he talks about a bag of bones. 
because it all points back to this. One more time, guys, and we got it. If God's got that, he's certainly got this. Do you believe it? Let's bow for prayer. Man, I just got to ask you with heads bowed and eyes closed. How many of you know that in your own life, God's got that? He's got you covered for heaven. He gave you the desire and ability to surrender your life to him, to believe that what Jesus did on the cross pays for your sins. You surrendered and you know he changed your life and you know he's got that. Can I see your hand? Would you put it up boldly? Man, that's awesome. You know he's got that. Now, if you don't know that, I'm not blaming you. I'm not picking on you. And I'm not going to make you put your hand up or stand up. But if you don't know that, maybe today's the day he wants you to know it. If you have a desire to surrender your life to Christ, just say, man, all I know about me, I'm surrendering to all I know about you, which isn't very much. But I do understand that you lived a perfect life on this planet. You were God and you were man. And when you died on a cross, you paid for sins that weren't yours. You paid for mine. And as best I can, I believe that. And the pastors tell me from Scripture that it says that if I just surrender myself to you, what you did on the cross will cover me. I'm just surrendering myself to you. I'm giving it to you right now. If you have the desire to do that, I want you to know that's God giving you that desire. He said when he was talking to Nicodemus, it's like the wind. You don't know when it's coming. You don't know when it's leaving, but you know when it's there. And if you have that desire, it's there and if you're sitting there thinking, man, maybe I'll just kind of blow it off. It'll be there tomorrow. I'll do it in the privacy of my own home tonight. I'll... No, you don't know when the wind's quitting. If you know it's there right now, that's the time to do it. Guarantee you, you will never meet a believer who's given their life to Christ and wish they hadn't, but thousands like me wish they'd done it sooner. But if he's given you the desire to surrender yourself, go for it, man. You will not be sorry. Let him... Get all of that. Because when he takes care of all of that, he also takes care of all of this. Now you have a home in heaven. And instead of taking you to heaven, he lets you live in this broken world with broken people. But through his power and his presence and his perspective. And he gives you answers to all the tests so you can score hundreds. And you can tell other people who your teacher is. That's why you're here now. To grow more in love with him so you can grow more in love with others. If you're a believer and you know that, if that's your purpose, man, how many of y'all got some all of this right now that's in the way? You've got a bunch of all of this in the way. Would you stick your hand up? Just to God, not to me, but you got a bunch of this in the way. Would right now you just tell God in your heart, say, God, I know, God, I know that you got all of that, so help me exercise the faith that I have to know that you got all of this. Just would you surrender all of this to him? Just say, God, I just I know the only way that you're going to do this is by me just following you. And I can't wait to see how you're going to work it out like you did with Joseph. But you've got to believe that. Father, thank you for loving us, taking care of us. Thank you for these awesome messages in your word that encourage us and strengthen us to let us know that and remind us that you got all of that, so you certainly have all of this. And I pray that we'd be able to implement this in our lives today. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.